0: I'll walk into the facility and I'll see this big tattooed thug dude that you know has done some stuff with this big smile on his face and I'm like what's going on? He's like dude I was in worship last night the light went on and like I don't know what happened necessarily but like Jesus stepped into my darkness mm. and like I know I'm going to be okay
1: When you find yourself between here and there, the now and the then, it can feel difficult to embrace life and all that it has to offer, especially when you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Wherever you're at though, we want to help in that beautiful struggle of transitioning well through aspects of faith and life with The Places Between, a podcast all about transitions. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy. I'm a storyteller and a creative with a passion for adventure, fitness, and faith. What began as a love for travel experiences and community turned into helping clients around the country tell their own stories and inviting others to join them. I've always been passionate about people fully living. That means navigating those places between, opening up a safe space to have conversations and encouraging growth along the journey. So join me as we explore what it's like to transition well on The Places Between. Whoa, you guys, we have a treat for you this week. I'm truly honored to host a conversation with a guy doing incredible things in the lives of people on a journey towards freedom freedom from addiction, depression, dark thoughts, and from the many life-controlling elements of human nature. He's a pastor and a friend of so many. He's been in the trenches and experienced rescue in ways you couldn't begin to imagine. As someone who's seen the depths of darkness overcome in so many people's lives, Daniel is a legit on-fire leader, helping people find freedom from a life of addiction. He's married with two kids. You can catch him on the tops of snow-covered mountains or on the streets of Denver, doing life with a bunch of people in the places between. I can't wait to share this conversation with you. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, and dive in with us to the places between. Daniel, it's So great to connect with you! Yeah,
2: good good to see you. It's been a while.
1: It has been. Yeah, I'm trying to think the last. Well, I guess we all have that excuse of this thing called COVID that Mm. (laughs) getting to avoid seeing people face to face. But it's good to connect with you. I'm excited to dive into a little bit of your story today, and just want to get started by having you share with our listeners a little bit about where you find yourself, a little bit about who you are, and then maybe something that people wouldn't know about you um, just by listening. Well, I'm
0: 46 now. Got a little extra gray in the beard because of COVID and stress, but that's all right. (laughs) Um, I grew up uh, on the Jersey Shore um, in New Jersey and not like the fist-pumping Jersey Shore that you see on TV. It was Oh, my gosh. <laughs> really, really cool surf community and skate community growing up. I, mean, I absolutely love the East Coast uh, with all my heart. Uh, for me, I'm an avid uh, Nike Air Max collector. And so I love doing that and a little obsessed with sneakers. Um, and then in my free time, my favorite thing to do is uh, hang out with my amazing wife and my cool kids And, you know, dig through crates of records at record stores in downtown Denver, trying to find rare vinyl, you know, of music that I loved growing up as a teenager and stuff like that.
1: Oh, I love that. That's so fun. I was in California this last summer and I had texted, I have a niece and three nephews that are a bit older, like high school age. And I texted them and I was like, Hey, is this vinyl cool? Like... Of course, yeah. that like, is this cool? You're just like, Hey, do you want this? I can buy it for you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I collect music from when music was really good in the nineties and two thousands and stuff like that. So.
1: Oh, that's awesome. And how old are your kids now?
0: Uh, my daughter is 14, Guinevere. And my son is uh, 16 years old, Gavin, and he's nearing six feet tall. And um, they're just so fun and Awesome to hang out with. They're super sarcastic and goofballs. And and I love that.
1: Well, it sounds like you have an awesome family. And for listeners that are tuning in, one thing you might not know because you're not watching, you're actually listening is Daniel has this sweet beard. (laughs) Like, it's how long is it now? Like 10 inches?
0: I have no idea. I've never measured.
1: Amazing. That is so great.
0: Thank you, guys.
1: You'll get to see the even just the graphics of our podcast. So that's pretty fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you remember a day that you didn't have a beard?
0: It's been a long, long time. (laughs) I just look like a chubby 16-year-old boy without it. So I have like a baby face underneath. So I just keep it nice and full and lots of wisdom in the beard.
1: Totally. Well, so crazy enough, I remember meeting Daniel 10 years Maybe 11 years ago, I remember I was working for a radio station, and that's when Teen Challenge 180 had hosted Brian Head Welch for a night of hearing his testimony. And for those of you that are listening, Daniel actually is the executive director of Teen Challenge 180. Do you call it 180 and Teen Challenge? No,
0: I just go, yeah, I'm the CEO of 180 Ministries, yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, tell us a little bit about your role with 180 and how long you've been doing it and would love to know a little more. Yeah.
0: Well, I love this ministry. It's it's my it's my it's my baby. And when I got here 19 years ago, I just basically started as an intern. And honestly, you'll hear a little bit more of my story later. I battled with addiction, I'm pretty hardcore, and the summer the summer that I got the internship here, I got locked up and relapsed. And was a complete train wreck all over again after years of sobriety. And at that time, um, I was with my girlfriend, who's my wife now, and I just said, I, I need to find out who I am. I need to figure out who I am because is I'm going to keep going down this path. And so God woke me up one morning and said, take any job that have a Teen Challenge in Colorado. And I didn't know there was a Teen Challenge here. I had no interest in working at Teen Challenge and so the ministry then as Teen Challenge was kind of struggling, and uh, me and my team rebranded it as 180 Ministries. And that's kind of when Red Rocks Church was just planted and Irons was just planted. So I was kind of coming up with all these, these young new people who, you know, at least me, I didn't know what I was doing. And so over the 19 years, we've grown it to three centers. Um, wow. and so we, have, we have an adult men's center. We have an uh, adolescent teen girl center, which is a Christian academy outside of Salt Lake City. And then we have a, uh, a home for uh, abused women and their children over on the western slope.
1: Wow, wow! I guess I didn't realize you were doing three, like three different centers. That's incredible. So, how long is the program? Is it for each center? Is it all the same length of the program? Or
0: yeah, for the most part, it's it's one year of residential you know treatment and therapy and building community.
1: And what does that look like in terms of entering the program? Like can a family be like you're off the rehab or is it is it at will? Is it what does that look like?
0: It's kind of all of the above, but it's it is voluntary and we find that when somebody does it voluntarily there's more success, there's more skin in the game. But there's definitely, you know, addiction. Addiction is a monster, right? And it creates havoc in the family and in and, 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 and everything that it touches. So there's finagling, there's coaching families, hey, like, you know, this is how we get them in. And this is how we get this, this young lady in. And so there's some of that. But, but at the end of the day, it is voluntary for people who really want help. And they really only have to show that much incentive to be you know, say they're tired with their old life and to re- enroll in the program. And so, you know, really really what we're addressing, you know, uh, addiction, you know, is, you know, subsidiary or a surface level of, you know, trauma and mental health. And, and, you know, all of our students have experienced in some capacity a a nightmare of trauma or something in their life. And that's what we're really going after first. We're going after that and then kind of working from the inside out.
1: Wow. Well, and I remember... Hearing about this program years ago through some mutual friends, I didn't know at the time that they were actually graduates of the program. It was just a friend that I had met at church thinking they were some other normal kid. And then learning about the program along the way, I remember thinking how cool it was that you were doing like all these incredible opportunities to experience like outdoor adventures and community serving projects and like different action sports. And you could probably speak to it better, but is there a method why participants get that?
0: Yeah, it's very intentional. Um, So the program that I went through in Florida was a Teen challenge program and it saved my life. It was the greatest God moment that could have ever came my way. But If I'm speaking honestly, it was very legalistic. And in my opinion, it did not have a realistic approach to recovery and Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so we developed 180 Ministries. We said, okay, how do we all live our lives? Our lives are fun. We snowboard, BMX bike, camping, fishing, the whole nine. And so why would we not just mirror how we're living an exciting Christian life to people in recovery? And so were, we're very intentional about snowboard trips and whitewater rafting trips because we want to show our students like there is a really, really good life on the other side of this. This is not just AA meetings and being very staunch and living in desperation, white knuckling it to not use drugs ever again. There's life on the other side of this thing.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, and so many times, like I remember having that conversation over 10 years ago, I was going through a breakup actually, and I was explaining all of these reasons why it wasn't going to work. And I just was super serious about my relationship with the Lord, but I had just said I didn't want the difference to be that I got up early on a Sunday versus you know, everybody else getting to sleep in from their hangover the night before.
2: Right.
1: And and I wasn't meaning that as an insult, but I was just like chasing Jesus and experiencing the life that he has to offer isn't gonna be me staying at home like knitting quilts. It's gonna be
2: right. yeah.
1: living this full adventure of like I still love to snowboard. I still love to be out experiencing life and having adventures and and offering that to someone as like, you can experience this life. If you come out of that lifestyle, look at how amazing it can be.
0: And we have so many people that come into the program that just because of the lifestyle choices, they've never experienced any of those things at all. And when you're sitting on a mountain, uh, you know, in two feet of powder with somebody that's never been on a mountain or maybe even seen snow, because we get people from all over the country and you look at the glow on their face and like, this this is possible. I'm like, yes, people do. They enjoy life and you can enjoy life too with us. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not every day that you get to see somebody like transform before your eyes in a year's mm-hmm. program, um, personally being friends with some of the graduates, I know that life change really is possible. So it's all because of Jesus, right?
0: hundred percent, thousand percent. And just for us, we're really good at our job. We're really good at loving and building community and counseling. But the the amazing part about all three of the programs is having, you know, the Holy Spirit being in charge.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: for us as leaders to say, This is not our ministry. This is um, you know, Jesus is the CEO, right, of this thing. And, you know, we deal with felons and criminals and people that have done things that they think are unforgivable and maybe the world thinks is unforgivable and people that really struggle in in some real serious, horrific darkness. And then sometimes, you know, we'll deal with all this and we'll see the progression, you know, kind of slow. And then I'll walk into the facility and I'll see this big Tattooed thug dude that you know has done some stuff with this big smile on his face, and I'm like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Dude, I was in worship last night, and the light went on, and like, I don't know what happened necessarily, but like, Jesus stepped into my darkness, mm. and like, I know I'm gonna be okay, and that's mm. that, that's the whole thing. That's the, that's the whole reward there. You know, I'm pro all counseling, I'm pro all methods of recovery, but." when you have that light go on with Jesus in your heart, it's a a game changer. And you know that you've seen that.
1: Yeah, that's so good. You know, I've heard from a number of musicians or even speakers recently, and maybe it's just something for God to like get my attention. But I keep hearing that one word from God is life changing. And it's, We can do all these things to fulfill our soul or chase after things, but if you have like one word with God, it changes everything. Yeah, it's
0: beautiful. It's an amazing experience.
1: So it's funny, you and I were joking on the phone, and I'd love to, just because some of our listeners that are listening, they remember things from their childhood that could be a little wild, like, I can't believe my parents made me do that, but... Just for those that have listened, if you listen to the episode with David Smith, he was actually, the program that he talked about in his episode uh, was a 180 program that Daniel runs. And so for those of you that haven't listened to that episode, go back and see if you can listen. And yeah. it's funny, you and I were talking recently about the uh detention or if you get Caught Messing Up or something about the program where he had to transcribe the entire book of Psalms, entire. Yeah, yeah. So I just think that's, and I just remember thinking, gosh, I can't wait to do that with my kids, which I'm sure they'd love me for. Right. you know, getting to have that flow through you. I mean, you have to think when you're transcribing, so that's getting God's word.
0: If you haven't listened, go, go back to her podcast with David Smith. It's hysterical and enlightening. And yeah, that's some of the disciplinary uh, process that, that we have. And they don't like it when it's handed down to them. But as God moves and speaks through the anxiety of having to do it, the stress of having to do it, the reality of, you know, you messed up and this is kind of the consequences of things. And nine out of 10 times it works. Mm-hmm. And they're in the word and they're reading and it's enlightening them. And I'm like David Smith, you know, perfect example, love the guy. He's my brother, um, but he was a knucklehead, man. He was just not getting it. And um, as, as the word of God started to saturate his soul, and he's the guy who, you know, and, and he, he wouldn't be mad about me saying this. He's the guy who's annoying in worship because he's so loud and he's so passionate and he's just going for it. And Some of the new students are like, man, this guy. And I'm like, well, go get what, he's, what he has. And, and yeah. that's, what, that's, that's where life comes from. And so his, his story is just phenomenal. He's an amazing, amazing person.
1: Well, and I bet that's also encouraging and also bewildering to some of your men that are in the program that are like, what is that that they have that I don't you know like once somebody does experience coming to Jesus or the freedom that he offers you can't deny that and when you're around that everybody wants to know what is it that they have I
0: think so, the, I think the thing that we get often from maybe a newer student in the program about some of the senior students is how are they so happy they lost their wife they lost their kids they their, their world is not put together at all right now, but they're so happy. They wake up every morning full of joy. Yeah. And that's what it's about.
1: Yeah, totally. So backing up a little, I would love to share a little bit more about your own story and just where the commitment to living a life on purpose came. Like, was that through your own experience with Teen Challenge, whatever you would like to share with us, the floor is yours.
0: Yeah, I I think a little bit it does. But so when I was 17-ish, I went to a very, again, legalistic church. And if you listen to secular music, you were going to hell. If you smoked a cigarette, you were going to hell. It was very intense. And I was in a Christian school at that time. I was working on the boardwalk in uh, New Jersey, and some guy introduced me to LSD, acid. I didn't know what it was. Honestly, I never really heard about rugs. I didn't know they were bad. I didn't know any of these things. And so we're sitting on the beach and he said, you know, have you ever done this before? I said, no. And he's like, dude, it'll change your life. And so I took one tap of acid and sat on the beach for like eight hours,
2: wow.
0: <laughs> eight hours that night. And it did, it changed my life. And me not having an awareness that this was a bad thing it really enlightened me and, op- and opened up a whole plethora of what I saw as new new opportunities in maybe the drug spiritual aspect of some of those things. And so I started tampering with you know, different drugs at that time, did terrible in school, hated, hated you know, high school, just, it just wasn't for me. And one night, a friend of mine said, um, do you want to go to New York City, which was two hours away, and go to uh, a club? And I didn't even know what that was. And so it was funny because the only seat available because everybody's packed in the car was the trunk. So I rode in the trunk oh. to, to New York City and we pull up and there is it, it was a club called the Limelight. And it's an old converted Catholic Catholic Church. And the people online like had purple hair and treadlocks and platform shoes. And then they were like they were being themselves. They were. They were living what I saw to be an extraordinary life that I had never experienced. And so that night in that club, it changed everything. And so I full on became what they called back then was a club kid. And so I eventually moved to uh, Jersey City and worked in Manhattan. And I was just at nightclubs and raves and festivals three, four times a week doing every drug under the sun. You know, I was animal tranquilizers, angel dust, ecstasy, just everything. Wow. And so I remember having a conscious talk with God in Soho, where I worked in New York. And I remember saying, hey, like, I believe in you and I know about you, but I'm really digging this new Daniel, this new lifestyle. And so don't send anybody to come get me kind of thing. And he didn't. And I spent the next X amount of years living in New York City, um, working at really fancy bars and stuff where you know celebrities would come and they'd have Lamborghinis outside and all that stuff. And I was just in love with this lifestyle. I thought it was amazing in my twenties, and so that so I did that for a really long time, and you know would go to certain you know fancy fashion shows and all this stuff, and really committed to this thing. But things started to get like really out of hand, and so where I lived in Jersey City when I moved up there, I didn't know anything about it at all, and so I, I basically moved into the ghetto, and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So the first summer that I was there, um, I was mugged at like three o'clock in the morning by two by two sixteen year old kids. And this kid had... I just came around the corner and he put a revolver in my mouth, a gun in my mouth. And something about that changed me. And I'm like, okay, I need to protect myself. I need to... So then you start carrying weapons and you start carrying guns. And because I made my life hard, I really got indoctrinated with like rap music and that this this is my life and selling drugs and, and all this crazy stuff that I was doing. And so I did that for a really long time. And one night I was at a party, and the only drug I had never done was heroin. And so the guy who was using drugs with me said, if you, and he wasn't a believer or anything, he said, if you use that drug, it will stick its talons in you and never let you go. It will steal your soul. And I was like, that's, now that I look at it, I'm like, that's pretty profound for a guy that you did drugs with for all these years. Wow. And so I um, smoked a bunch of heroin that night, and it was game over. I committed my whole entire life to using heroin. I lost all my money. I lost my jobs. I lost I lost everything. And so, at the end of it, um, <clears throat> I attempted to take my take my own life by you know kind of climbing over a barrier uh, at one, on one of the bridges next to the Brooklyn Bridge, and I was going to throw myself off the bridge because wow. I was withdrawing so hard, and my life had just totally come unraveled. And what I didn't know was God then. Um, I felt something come over me and, and basically said, this is not what I destined you for. And I called my parents and I said, here's everything that's been going on. and um, I'm going to end my life if you, somebody doesn't intervene. Wow. It's still crazy to this day to think about.
2: Wow. Wow. And,
0: and my parents stepped in and they got me into the Team Challenge program uh, in Florida. And my experience there was, man, I tried to leave so many times. I tried to fight people so many times. And one night, you know, they're doing the church thing every night. Everybody, like I was saying, everybody's happy. Everybody's joyful, but I'm miserable. inside. I hate, I hate everything. And I was, I had a one-way ticket to Jackson Hole in my back pocket that nobody knew that I had. And that was my escape plan. And I was getting ready to leave. And another dude who uh, was there from New York, who was, you know, 35, 40, he's like, dude, just go in the chapel one more time, lay it all out there. Say what you got to say to God. Just give it one more shot he's like cuz you'll turn out like me you know at 40 years old still addicted to heroin mm-hmm. in and out of jail so i go into the chapel and honestly it's just dark there's no music on and i just start cursing god out i just start blaming him that he dealt me this dirty hand in life he made me this way and i start screaming and kicking and you know how it works with jesus i just all of a sudden i mean i just felt these arms mm-hmm. kind of around my come around my back and this warmth come over my body and this like glow started, like ember started like glowing in my heart. And I had not felt love or loved in a decade. And I just cried my eyes out and I said, I was sorry. I said, I'm sorry for doing all this in life. And I walked out of that, that chapel changed forever.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. That's, first of all, thank you for sharing your story. Cause I'm sure it's not, it can't be easy to remember like the hardships of that. And, and I know you share your story a lot, even with your, your students. And yet at the same time, like, I'm sure you feel the weight of it every time. So I just want to say thank you for sharing that with us. and then also acknowledge like how beautiful God's rescue is mm-hmm. just over our journeys. You know, I just think of the people that I know in addition to you that have just been through these really hard earlier years and then just experienced radical rescue. And I think that that's, that's God's heart for all of us. And I even just think of like, People that are so-called nominal believers of just like, well, I do this because this is what I was raised to, or like, I show up at church on a Sunday, but, you know, my life is kind of like mundane or it kind of sucks in between and I don't really have a purpose worth living for. And it's like getting to see God radically rescue people is that's, I feel like, I literally feel like that's what life is about.
0: It's definitely the coolest part of the job because for me and my team there is just absolutely no one on the face of this planet. And so if listeners if you're listening to this and you're struggling or not or you don't feel that life there is just no one beyond his grasp. Period. I have I have seen some of the worst case scenarios in 20 years that I think anybody could see even to the point where I'm like there's no way this this person's going to turn their life around. It's that dark. It's that destroy. And, and that's just the, my carnal mind sometimes. God always steps in, mm-hmm. always. And so if you're listening, you're, you're wrestling with things where life is just not what you imagined, man, turn it over to him. In the, in, he's not going to come when things are fixed, right? He's, he's going to come when things are a disaster, when things are broken, when things are mundane. But if you just let him in, your whole life will change. And it doesn't mean everything around you will be fixed immediately but your, your life will be better for it.
1: Amen. Yeah, I love that. So having gone through the program of Teen Challenge, when did you know that you wanted to start something like 180 in Colorado?
0: Well, it's interesting because I, I wanted to be prepared for this. So I listened to like all 32 of your podcasts. Oh my
1: gosh, <laughs> that's amazing. I just,
0: I just burned through them all. Like, <laughs> what is she looking for from me? What, what do I say? You know, all these things. And I was just like, just amazing people out there that you've interviewed. Wow, just so so impressed with people's lives, and and I think one of the things that really comes to mind, um, you know, is like, I think viewers and listeners can have this idea of, well, yeah, Daniel had a tragic story, but but he made it, and it was probably easier. God anointed him, and I think the thing I want to say, especially with the places in between, I love that so much. And if you're in that place in between, for me, there was never a game plan. I never had. I never had it figured out. I never had a thought, go build 180. I never, I, I don't even know if I still do right now. You know, and it was, I was in that place between where I didn't want to le- live the same life and God sent me here. And when I got here, it was a mess and there were a lot of complications and I almost got fired three times. And And so you're like, okay, this great story, but behind the scenes, it's like, okay, I almost got fired and like ministry was a struggle and trying to figure figured it all out. But there was never a game plan. My heart had... I mean, I was a sleaze bag. I, I did some really terrible things. And I just had always had the thought, if God, God was going to show up for this loser guy, he's gonna, he could show up for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so that's just been my heart. Just like, I love all of my friends. And you know, for the most part are from the island of misfit toys. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they belong. They don't feel like they fit in, but they all have a dream. And if you have the dream, everything else will eventually fall into place. And so I just didn't compromise for a better paycheck. I didn't compromise for the easy route. I'm not an easy route guy. And so I think that when you're in that place between and you're saying, why God or when God or how come this happens to this person over here and not me, it's easy to look at their success and say that came easily. And it didn't for many people. And so if you're in that place between and you think you need to have a plan or a strategy and you don't have one and you're struggling, I think that's great. As long as you're focused on the passion, you're focused on the reason, and you're letting the haters fuel your fire to to be better and to go after your dreams, uh, then then it'll happen. Because I I didn't strategize any of this at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's such a good word. Well, and that's... (laughs) It's funny because, yeah, as a listener to even a wealth of other podcasts or you hear some big famous person on stage give you, run through their story really quick and then be like, but I'm special or God had a special calling on me. And and then they tell you where they are. I remember having conversations with friends being like, we need to talk about this post-college funk that that guest speakers never talk about the struggle to get to where they are. And even doing this podcast, I'm like, it is a crazy ton of work. And it's not just hopping on to have a conversation and being like, oh, that was perfect. But it's, I think I would rather live a life of unknowns in the highs and the lows with Jesus asking him to continue to give me ideas or give me favor or open doors or shut doors and then following his lead then pushing through a mediocre existence.
0: Yeah. You know if, if and, you're looking for if you're looking for an easy route, then what's on the other side is not as valuable to you. And I only thought about this last night. I, I ran into you at Target for like 10 minutes, like eons ago. I don't know oh, if you
2: remember, yeah. if you
0: remember yeah. this. And I think it was just a real quick, hey, how you doing? What's going on with life? Whatever you're shopping, I'm shopping. And, and I remember you saying something to the effect of this, you know, like, hey, you're like, how's 180? What's going on? I tell you. And I'm like, hey, what's going on in your life? And you're like, I don't know, but I'm pursuing my purpose. <laughs> you, said, you said something to that effect. And yeah. I think and th- and that's it right there is like, you know, I don't know, but I'm pursuing my purpose. Yeah. And God's and God's like, I love that. Because the thing that I've experienced over and over with Jesus is, you know, it's like as a dad, I think I get more joy in wrapping the Christmas presents for my kids than they do opening it. Because there's all this excitement about buying it as a dad and seeing the seeing the, their face. And I think Jesus is the same way. It's like the anticipation for Christmas. The anticipation for your dreams, Jesus is just like, you wait and see what I'm about to unwrap. It's Christmas. And sometimes Christmas takes two years or three years. But if you wait for that that present from him to fulfill your dreams, wow, it's so real. It's so authentic. It's so beautiful. And when you get to that spot and you're reveling in it, and you're like, the journey was so worth
1: it. yeah. Well, and how unique and cool is it of the Lord to because he knows us so well that he's not just going to be like, "All right, here's everything. You can have it all right when you ask." Because he knows that either A, we wouldn't have the character or the integrity to handle it. You know, we'd just go blow it, or B, we'd be like, "Okay, sweet, thanks," and then we would have no relationship with him. And for me, I don't know if you can speak to this as well. Some of my most intimate, crazy, cool, God fulfilling moments have been in the darkest depths of my struggle of like, God, I don't see you, I don't know where you are. Can you please let me like know that you're in this? Yeah. You know? And just I think it's He wants to do a relationship with us. So it goes back to that scripture of blessed are those who mourn. Like it's I think God likes to come lower with us to be like I'm in this too with you
0: yeah you know? well and it's it's out of that desperation and again that authenticity um, my relationship with Jesus is maybe a little weird to other people but I'm just so brutally raw with him and I always have have been and while I am a man of God and I'm a pastor I still challenge him and question him and and sometimes doubt him and I think he really appreciates that kind of relationship. And, and for us to sit in that spot and say, where are you? Like, you're mm-hmm. just not around right now. And, yeah. and that's when he steps in and it's just, it just takes care of his children. And he speaks mm-hmm. to us all in so many different ways, you know, and the hardship of the job is, you know, dealing with addicts is um, you do a lot of funerals, mm. a lot. And these are, this is my family. yeah, And, you know, most of the time, you're asked. You're the guy who's asked to do the funeral. And those are tough. God. And that's where everybody is, where are you, God? But there's always at the funeral, there's always this legacy spoken about, about the individual. But the focus isn't on how they died or the tragedy of that moment. It's always on this beautiful soul that maybe gave their life to Jesus, left the program early. Unfortunately, stuff happens. But that's a dark spot. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that, families and myself and my, and my wife, Jesus is right there every time.
1: Yeah. So how would you, maybe somebody is listening to this for the first time and they don't know how to hear from the Lord. They're like, mm, the audible voice thing, that kind of freaks me out. Yeah. How would you describe hearing from God? Like any tips of advice in terms of getting before the Lord? And for yep. me, it's just about being real. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: well, I think you have a, a myriad of people who possibly listen, right? The non-believer, the, the mundane relationship, the person really desperately struggling. I think it all comes down to the same thing. What, what's the Christianese? Your, your quiet place, right? Or your secret place. Um, but that's so real. And you just sit by, you sit on the side of your bed I'm a, with the lights off, whatever. And you sit there and you just say, here I am. And I don't get you and I don't get this life and I don't understand this, but they say you're real and they say that you bring joy and that you bring peace and all these things. And I want that. And you rest. We, in in our society, we have the biggest problem. I'm preaching to the choir. We do not rest. Mm -hmm. We We take rest as go on vacation. But if you take 30 minutes, 15 minutes sitting in your room, you know, devices off, no noise and you just rest with God for 15 minutes. And just talk to him. And he comes different ways, right? For a lot of times, it's just peace in my heart. And, and the peace is unexplainable at, at, at times, but I get it. And so for the listeners out there, I'm telling you, test this. This okay. is the litmus test. And if you get an audible voice, that's so sick. I've never had that happen. Like, that's cool. <laughs> and, and for me, again, like the, the biggest thing in my life to keep me connected is, is worship. And when I, when I was becoming a Christian, this is really funny. I would hear I would hear worship music, and I honestly thought it was like romantic, like love song Aww. music about like you know a guy and a girl or whatever. So I didn't connect them. Like okay, they're saying all these lovey kind of things, and then I was like, oh, they're they're like talking to Jesus about how how we love. I love Jesus and Jesus loves me, and and all these other things. And so I, I, it took me a while, but then I fell in love with worship music. And for me, it's almost every single day. And and it's just, you know, sometimes it's not the classic Christian thing, worshiping, raising your hands, having this experience with God. A lot of my worship is on my knees crying for the next soul that I'm going to encounter, pleading with God for protection over my children and my wife, and wow. their ugly cries and their desperate cries. And so it's, it's not always just worship this, you know, beautiful, powerful. It's always powerful, but to the listener, I don't want you to be misconstrued by we go to church and we listen to three songs and we raise our hands and, and game over. Yeah. Um, it's, it's this really intimate thing with Jesus. And when I don't have the words, the worship music often has the words, and God starts speaking in such crazy ways. And this this God consciousness in my mind starts coaching me back to life and coaching me back to having glory in my life and, and feeling confident as an individual. And, and I think that's for everybody. You know, we all kind of have voices in our head, right? And the the critics in our heart that yell at us that we're not good enough or we're, we're you know, not successful. And when I listen to worship music, all those voices are silenced.
1: Amen. Amen. I
0: think that, that, you know, that speaks to everybody who's listening that I think as humans, we all go through that.
1: Yeah. That's, it's so funny because I think back in my 20s, I was always like, I want to be a cool Christian. What does that mean?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's because it's so countercultural, right? And now I, I would look at my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am like by definition a total Jesus freak. Like it's, and yet worship, you know, it's sad to me when people are like, well, I guess I'll just pray about it as almost like a last resort where I'm like, that needs to be our first like our first source of like we're going straight to God we're we're running to worship because i truly believe that that is how we encounter God that is how we fight our battles when you get to worship on this side of heaven the worshipping as a sacrifice of praise like that is we don't get that in in heaven like in heaven all of our hard stuff is going to be removed so we're not going to have to worship when it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be a sacrifice to us whereas like now I think getting before the Lord and worship on a daily basis it feels like worship is a lifestyle.
0: Absolutely. And for me it's like, you know, my da- it's 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 got to be a daily routine, you know, for me and and it's and and you get to the point at least where I'm at where it's effortless. Like yeah. I want to be with God. I want to hear what he says about me and how he feels about me. Yeah. And it's funny I really did fall in love with Jesus so hardcore when I was in teen challenge and this this I might sound like a dork or whatever but I literally was so in love with him that I would ask Jesus in the morning what he wanted me to wear.
2: Oh, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> Cuz I just wanted I wanted that much like and I was silly about it. Do you like these pants? Do you like these like I want to go about my day but I want you to be like heavily involved in the details of my life. You
1: know? Oh, that's so good. Well, and that's that's kind of the adventure, right? Like so you can go to almost a level where you're like, okay, God, it's the beginning of my day. Where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to talk to? Like, do you want me to speak about you to the mail guy or yeah. at a coffee shop and like, just asking God, I think that's kind of the fun adventure of being at a coffee shop and being like, God, send me somebody to talk to. Yeah.
0: Divine appointment, right? Oh. Divine appointment's a beautiful thing. And and everybody listening is capable of divine appointment, no matter where you're at in life.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's not every day that you get to talk to people that have had such an impact on so many others. And I know that you wouldn't brag on your efforts, but I know that God's work both in and through your life has impacted countless men and women. Um, So I just want to say thank you. I know you've brought hope even just to my extended family in a roundabout way. You know what that's about. So thank you. The lives that you pour into, they can thank you as a mentor and a role in their life to helping them achieve freedom from substance and addiction. And we need more people like you. So I just want to say thank you for your ministry.
0: That's awesome. I mean, none of it happens without my wife being the support. Like she's just this enchanted, beautiful, amazing. Yeah. I mean, she just like, because I'm a tough dude to deal with. Like I don't, I don't accept failure. I don't like being told No. Um, and, and I get myself stuck and she's just this patient, amazing person who just sits with me and lets me cry with her when times are tough and says such profound things, you know? So she's, she's the backbone of 180, you know? Yeah, I
1: love that. Well, and you've also gotten to experience like bringing home the miraculous stories with her too, right? So like, I want to be cautious of listeners time, but can you think of like, one or two miraculous stories that you've gotten to celebrate with her? Cause I know she's a prayer warrior with you along the journey.
0: There's so many and she's, and she, and she gets really hopped up about it. She'll just out of the blue sometimes say, okay, tell me, tell me one of the stories, tell me what's going on with this person. And she knows them all by name. And you know, they're, regular you know household names in our, in our house and uh, there's two stories I'll make them really short but there was this one girl um, that I met at the Utah program she must have been like 13 years old horrible story like locked in a closet in hotel rooms while her mom's prostituting train wreck train wreck terrible stuff and she was just beyond hopeless and you know, speaking into her life and trying to help her and love her. And she's like this little girl. And I, I actually just a couple of days ago, got an email from her. Um, she's 20 now. She's been living for Jesus. She's completely healed of all the trauma. She said, life's been, life has been hard, but I appreciate your team. And I appreciate you that you sat and you took, took the time to love and respect me as a young lady. And just to, just to get that, I was just like, Jesus, Amen. That's awesome. And yeah. uh, recently, recently at the Men's Center, you know, uh, we had a guy that came in through the Denver Dream Center, was recommended. And you know, we interview people. We don't really take people on a whim. Sometimes we want to see if they really want it. And this young man showed up at my front door, uh, just destroyed, just a broken mess, full full blown heroin addict, mm-hmm. lost lost everything. And I was like, well, you know, we kind of got to do the interview, blase blase. And he's like, and I have stage four cancer. And he's like, because of my addiction and because of my cancer, because I haven't I haven't gone to treatment at all, he's like, I'll be dead in I'll be dead in a couple of months. And the Holy Spirit said, even if you don't have the sponsorship funds or the money, take them and I'll figure the rest out for you. And I said, The Lord's just speaking to me right now and I'm gonna take you into the program. And so he has gone through chemo, he is on fire for Jesus, he is in remission from his cancer and <laughs> He's the dude in the cancer ward telling people about Jesus. He's a beautiful, beautiful human being,
1: man. Wow. Wow. Praise God. That's awesome. Wow. Yes, there's encounters like that that gosh, those miracle stories, it's like that's what makes this life worth it.
0: That's why I wake up every day and go to work because it's not really work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up got to ask all my guests, (laughs) what place would you say you are between? And then how can we also pray for you this year?
0: I would just be praying, you know, just again, for the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, somebody asked me a while back, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do with it? And I said, I would buy a Lamborghini first. um, And then I would go and save every homeless man and woman and child and give them housing and give them a, a brand new start and give them everything that they've never had. And so there's just so many out there. And if you roll around, you know, Denver or the city, you see it everywhere and it breaks my heart. And so I guess I'm saying, you know, pray for the Lord to, to bring us those people or to yeah. give us divine encounters. I mean, I have so many crazy encounters with with people living on the streets and, and God just sends us out there and just God is like, just give them love. And so you know, I, I just pray for you know more masses of people to be able to gravitate towards 180 and other programs to, to get the, the life that they deserve.
1: Yeah, that's so good. We'll absolutely be praying for you and your ministry. And just thank you again for sharing with us. Listeners, I will tag in the show notes ways that you can find more information about Daniel's ministry with 180 and the program in Utah for the teen girls and what a great week getting to share all God's goodness and your story, Daniel. Thank you again for sharing that with us.
0: Super honored to ask. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on The Places Between. I'm over here cheering you on, friend. You just finished another episode of the Places Between podcast. If you want to access more, be sure to subscribe or visit theplacesbetween.com to learn more about our guests, episode sponsors, upcoming retreats, and more. Like Stay in the Story a 25-day devotional all about staying in your story while you wait on your dreams, on God, and on life to come to fruition. And lastly, if you're looking for an online community of people who also wanna transition well, then come say hi over on Instagram at the between. As always, thanks for taking time to dive into the places between. Until next time, keep enjoying that journey.